At this stage, um, I'd like to bring Michael into the conversation. Michael is the executive director of 4SA. Uh, he studied law abroad. He's been successful in business and is a co-founder of the His People Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa. And as executive director of 4SA, I'd like to tell you what 4SA is. It's the Freedom of Religion South Africa, which is a legal advocacy. Let me try that again. A legal advocacy organization working to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Michael, as always, it's good to have you uh, on the show with us this morning. Uh, It's great to be with you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Always enjoy our conversation. Now, Michael, I I think this might be the first time this year that we... Is this the first time that we're talking this year? We spoke to Daniela last week. Yes, well... Yes, and and, and embarrassingly, I can't say Happy New Year because it's February. No, you can't say Happy New Year because it is February. (laughs) Although, I think many people took January off or or January as like a test month. (laughs) 2023 actually only gets started in February. So, So maybe you can say Happy Almost New Year or Happy... New Year that has just gone past or something to that effect. But it is great to chat to you, Michael. Really do enjoy the engagement with you um, uh, on radio. And thanks for joining us again for 2023. Uh, This morning, we're going to be talking around the topic of the Anti-Money Laundering Act. And so I'm hoping that you can guide us in this conversation. I, I remember us talking about it last year. I remember raising a couple of concerns, even myself, um, uh, for friends uh, that are in ministry. And uh, we spoke, I think, about onerous um, bureaucratic kind of red tape that could be added to churches. Uh, we spoke about the need um, for the Money Laundering Act, but how it might negatively impact churches. Um, please bring us an update on how things are going. Well, this was one of two bills uh, which were basically almost pushed upon South Africa to make sure that we are compliant with generally accepted anti-terrorism laws internationally. And the problem was that South Africa was deemed to be deficient and we were going to be grey-listed not having sufficient laws to prevent terrorism. And of course, that would have had very serious consequences on money flowing in and out of South Africa, particularly for charitable purposes. So these laws, unfortunately, were suddenly thrust in. They left it a bit late and last. And there was a brief but intense parliamentary process uh, before uh, President Sir Ramaphosa signed this bill into law on the 21st of December uh, last year. So this law is now in force and enforceable. So it, it, it is good news that we, I think, have escaped the grey listing. Obviously, that would have made life very difficult. But also, I think, good news that in the process, uh, because of 4SA's involvement, we were able to take some of the perhaps very severe uh, unintended consequences that were in the original draft of this bill, which I think, but for the fact that we were engaged in this process, would have passed into law and would have been definitely detrimental to the religious communities. Well, I mean, Michael, even that introduction opens up a couple of questions that I'm intrigued by. Um, I'm intrigued by what was in the original documentation that could have affected churches negatively. Uh, I'm intrigued by the kind of process that 4SA got involved with and uh, the interaction that you had uh, in this regard. And uh, what exactly can we be happy about in terms of the law as it's been presented to us now? 
Well, I think one of the things that's interesting always is that we live in a world that is basically governed by law. And very often laws are passed, they're formulated, but they don't actually take into account the implications of those laws. And it's often laws that are passed without proper consideration or perhaps proper input that subsequently turn around and bite you later. So one of the things that 4SA has done over now, we're in our 10th year, by the way, is we look very closely at every single piece of legislation, policy, regulation that comes out of parliament or out of any government department to see what are the implications of that for the faith community, because we will be bound by those implications unless we have the opportunity to understand them and to interact with them. And so in this particular uh, bill, one of the things that it basically proposed was that every uh, church, every religious organization, even the smallest ones, would have mandatorily, compulsorily had to register with the Department of Social Development. And there were criminal sanctions if you didn't do so. And one of the things that we put forward was basically uh, a, 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 a submission and an amendment to this uh, bill to say that blanket mandatory registration uh, and criminal sanctions was simply inappropriate. Uh, the other thing that this bill would have done would have, would have made uh, an allowance for changes to be made by government to the constitutional founding documents of a religious organization. And of course, that again, would have at least opened up the potential for state regulation of religion. So good news is that now this bill has been passed into law, Parliament did incorporate the most significant uh, of the proposals that we put forward. We were actually in those hearings, we were actually, uh, we made presentations in those hearings. And the, 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 let's say the worst uh, possible risks of this law to the faith communities were effectively defanged. So uh, we, we, we're very happy that uh, we've achieved, I think, a very positive result for the faith communities. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, excellent, uh, Michael, and uh, great feedback regarding this. Um, uh, go, going forward, um, what do we need to watch, and uh, and and what is for uh, says uh, what is on says radar? Well, the, the, let's say the implications of this money laundering act first is that until now non-profit organizations uh, registration with the, the DSS was completely voluntary. But now if you fall into a certain category, you will have to register with them, even though you may be registered somewhere else. So the, the only um, non-profit organizations that are affected are those who make donations to individuals or organizations outside pub, the Republic's borders. In other words, you know, typically for churches, that would be supporting missionaries. Yes. or providing humanitarian or charitable or educational or cultural services outside of the Republic's borders. So it's just important to note that people will, uh, organizations, churches who have that type of activity will now need to register. And they're going to need to register, by the way, before the 31st of uh, March, or say before the 1st of April uh, this year. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's fascinating, and I think a number of churches that I know fall into that category. So obviously there is going to be a lot of work in the religious space that needs to happen. Um, how's the government going about publicizing this? I mean, I've other than listening to you right now, I haven't heard about this at all. 
Well, again, this is often the, the difference between when a law is passed and how it actually is rolled out and enforced. Yeah. Um, the, the, there are going to be regulations that are being formulated, and there's going to be an opportunity to speak into those regulations as well. Um, so we're kind of also waiting to see how this thing's going to uh, roll out. So they okay. really specified that. Um, but I mean, the, 30, the, the 31st of March, Michael is around the corner. <laughs> Um, I know. Like, I, I, I mean, I, I, just off the top of my head, as I think of just the Baptist churches in Pretoria, there's a number of Baptist churches that would have to register before the 31st of March, and no one's been notified of anything. Yes, well, look, the, 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 I think that is because, again, as I said, the, 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 from the real to the ideal yeah. is often quite a big <laughs> gap. Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. I mean, this, but, this uh, just boggles my mind <laughs> how this works and how and how people think that this might work. Um, I, I have no doubt that there that there will be some pastors listening to this. Um, we actually share uh, this particular podcast on the Baptist Northern Association's website, so it goes out to at least a hundred and. 80 pastors thereabouts and uh, I certainly will make the rest of the Baptist Union pastors aware of this through the mechanisms of the Baptist Union and um, so Baptist churches will hear about this but where should I point them if they either need more information um, or want to make sure that they are compliant between now and the 31st of March always the best place to go the easiest is going to be to our forsa.org.za website yes. uh, we, we have uh, an article that you can look at there. If you can't find it, you can just search for anti-money laundering and I'm sure it will pop up. And it basically, the requirements for registration are set out in section 12 of the NPO Act. And we've published an article on our website uh, to provide a link for NPOs who may think that they need to register. And then you can actually go through and to the NPO register website Excellent. by clicking a link there. And we've also, by the way, got a, an informative uh, video interaction that uh, we put together to actually unpack some of this in a bit more detail than we can maybe do on the radio. So those people who think they might be affected, in other words, if you're supporting missionaries or you've got it, it overseas uh, operations that you support, humanitarian projects or what have you, charitable projects, then in all likelihood you will have to register. Yes. So by all means, take advantage of that and go check it, check out our website and you'll get more information and a link to give you what you need to do. So Michael, I've got to say that this conversation is so valuable and so helpful. I, I, I really appreciate the work that 4SA does. Um, just absolutely excellent. And I'm so grateful that you don't just lobby government, but you also um, come back to the church and make us aware of what's going on. So excellent work. Thank you so much to you and for your team. Um, and please, I hope that you guys have a wonderful 2023 and that uh, uh, many folk partner with you guys. Uh, and I can't commend your website enough. That's 4sa.org.za um, along with your Facebook channel as well as your YouTube channel. Those are place touch points where people can get more information about the rolling discussion between the church and the state. And I'd encourage people to go to them. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark, and I look forward to speaking next week. We're going to be chatting about developments in the hate speech bill. So that's going to be an oh, interesting conversation. Brother, you've like whetted my appetite. Now I just want to go straight to that as the next insert. <laughs> but we will leave it until <laughs> we'll leave it until next week. I'm sure the listeners will be keen to hear more about that. So thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate your engagement. Uh, God bless. Thank you, Mark.